Can everyone hear me? Ooh. Classic. I thought I learned last time. I guess not. Maybe we should have tested this thing. <laughs> uh, hi, everyone. Uh, I think, actually, there's probably a good amount of you that I don't know. Is it, is it kind of echoey? It feels kind of echoey. All right. How's it going, Nick? It's all right. I still love you, Nick. Um, so I'm, I'm Chris. Uh, I was a USC grad. graduated in 2016. Um, I'm a civil engineer, so I work as a consultant on building projects. Um, and basically what we do is we connect the building to like utilities and stuff, so like storm drains and water lines and, and sewers. So I like to refer to myself as a, a glorified poop mover. Um, <laughs> Steven usually laughs at that one. Um, so uh, a little bit more about me. I, I met my wife at Challenge. Uh, we got married in 2016. Um, so last time I spoke at Challenge was about a year ago. So let me kind of catch you up on, on things, some things that happened in my life since then. So this is a picture I shared last time. So last time, Sammy was about six months pregnant. And then flash forward a year from then, so November. So that's Hannah. So Hannah Jane. Uh, so she was born in February uh, 2018. And then, uh, so she just turned one uh, last, actually this month in, in February. Uh, so in la last year, uh, me and Sammy, we, we had a baby. Uh, my parents moved. They were living up in the Bay Area. They moved down to the LA area to be closer to us. Uh, we actually moved. We were living in downtown. We moved out to Alhambra. Uh, we changed churches. Sammy uh, went on maternity leave. Then she worked part-time for a while. Now she stopped working altogether. Uh, I took my professional engineering exams, uh, which you know, required a lot of like, study time and getting all that done. And uh, most recently, so Sammy's actually from Malaysia, so all the way across the world. So her sister came, is, is moved to LA to go to college, and now she's living with us. So a lot, a lot kind of happened last year uh, in my life. So I think uh, one analogy I shared with a friend recently about how I feel is, is like, you know, you know, some of you probably work out a lot. And, I, trust me, I, I used to, <laughs> believe, believe it or not, but not anymore. Uh, and uh, you know that feeling like when you worked out really hard and you're like, I'm not sure if I can walk right now, but I know this is good for me? <laughs> it's kind of how I felt about the last year of my life. <laughs> um, so tonight we're going to be, uh, that's a little more about me, kind of where I'm coming from, so, so you know who I am. Uh, so tonight we're going to be uh, continuing on in, in the series, uh, The Kingdom of God. And so uh, the first week, um, we talked about what is the kingdom of God, and we looked at it's wherever and whenever God's will is being done, where he's ruling and reigning. Then in week two, uh, we looked at kind of the heart of a kingdom citizen, and we looked at kind of different traits that are called the Beatitudes, and those are kind of indicators or markers along the path of growth, of entering more and more into God's reign in your life. Then in week three, we, we looked at the influence of a kingdom servant and how we're salt and light and how we, we flavor and kind of change the environments that we're in and how we really put the spotlight on God and, and give him the glory. And then last week, uh, Aaron looked at um, the king's standard of righteousness and, and the kind of the one-liner that, that she kind of highlighted was that, that checklist flatter, but it's the heart that matters. Um, you know, oftentimes we uh, kind of want to check off these different boxes and she shared about how um, you know, her cousin, I think, was, or, or her cousin's husband, I'm not sure. Someone was a bank robber, and, um, and, you know, and the checkbox was, you know, at least I'm not a bank robber. At least I didn't do what they did, um, or 
you know, I went to challenge this week, uh, you know, or, you know, I recycle, you know, I'm a good person. Um, you know, check that box. Um, but what we saw last week is that, is that what God is really concerned about is, is really our hearts. And he's really concerned about the deeper issues uh, that lie underneath the surface a lot more than he is with any sort of checklist. Um, so, so that's kind of where we're, we're coming from. And, and Jesus is, is giving a talk. Um, he's speaking to a, a crowd of people on a mountainside. And uh, so that's, that's what he's just been talking about. So what he talks about next is what we're going to be talking about tonight. And so tonight's uh, title is Living It Out in Everyday Life. Uh, it's really, you know, or living in the kingdom, living under God's rule and reign, really addressing the heart issues uh, that we face in everyday life. Um, so what Jesus does is, is in this part of, of his talk, he's, he's continuing on and, and he's kind of identifying some of those common checklist items that the people he was talking to would have kind of wanted to check or maybe not check off and really gives us a clear picture of, of what following his rule and reign looks like at, at the heart level, um, at the heart issues that really matter. And so there's kind of a basic format or structure uh, that Jesus uses to communicate this. So he basically, he, he'll say, you know, you have heard it said, um, and then he'll kind of state the checklist item. So you have heard it said, you know, don't kill people, don't murder people. Um, but then he'll say, you know, but here's really the, the deeper heart issue uh, that matters. And so we're, we're not going to read through all the 28 verses, but here, here's kind of a, a summary of, of some of the checklist items that, that Jesus identifies here. Um, so he talks about, you know, you've heard it said, you know, do not, um, do not murder. So that checkbox, like, you know, oh, I'm not a murderer. Check. Simple. Uh, you know, oh, I didn't, I'm not a cheater. Uh, I'm not an adulterer. I didn't, you know, cheat on my spouse. I didn't, um, you know, have, have a, um, commit adultery. Um, oh, you know, I got divorced, but, you know, I filled out the paperwork. It's all good. Uh, I'm not a contract breaker. I didn't break anything that I signed or an oath that I made. Um, you know, I, you know, I act and I, I, uh, I feel and act towards people, how they feel and act towards me. Um, but so Jesus kind of looks at those, uh, those items, but then he really identifies, you know, the heart issue that's kind of behind it. And that's what, you know, really matters, matters to God and matters to, to Jesus. Um, and so the kind of the correlating ones are, you know, clear, having clear and right relationships, um, pure and lust-free heart. Uh, commitment to marriage, and then honoring each word that you say, and acting and feeling towards people how God acts and feels towards them instead of how they act and feel towards you. Um, and it's not, it's not a replacement of the checklist items with just something new. It's really the processes that God wants to be working in in our hearts. It's more of a process than it is some, some, some place that you get to. So um, tonight what we're going to do is we're, we're just going to focus on one of these, um, but I'd encourage you to kind of go back and, and read through this and do your own study because um, there's, there's pretty challenging uh, stuff in there on all these topics, and it's, it's really helpful. But um, tonight, the one we're going to focus on um, is, is the, the second one, which is, which is lust. Um, and yeah, it's, it's kind of an uncomfortable thing to talk about, um, but at least you just have to sit there and listen. Uh, I have to stand up here and talk about it. <laughs> So, um, and, and just to, just to be clear up front, um, you know, my goal tonight is not to like push your guilt button and, and make you feel bad. Um, that's, that's not my interest. My goal is really just to show you, um, what, what living in the kingdom can look like and, and kind of the healing that can, that can come from that. Um, 
So, so what, is, what does Jesus actually say? What does he say about it? So Matthew 5, 27 through 28 says, You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So at the time, ad- adultery was a, was a wrongdoing that was actually punishable by death at the time. So it was a lot more serious then than, than, than it would be today, um, at least you know, culturally. Um, so, so, so what does he mean here? So he says, you know, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So what does that mean? So, I mean, well, obviously, you know, looking at somebody isn't, isn't wrong. You know, you can't really live your life without looking at people. <laughs> you could try, but you'd probably die as soon as you got in the car. Um, <laughs> so, so what, is, what does it mean to to lustfully um, look at someone. So, so what does that word, word lust mean? And, and so what, what, what lust really is, is it's, it's willfully allowing oneself to indulge in a sexual desire outside of God's will. So, so it's willful. It's, it's not just an accidental thing that just happens. Um, there, there's a choice involved. And, and it's, it's an indulgence. It's, it's choosing to kind of, choosing to linger and enjoy, um, choosing to kind of remain and, not just like a passing thought. It's like, okay, you know, you had a thought, but then you, you stayed in it, and then, um, you know, you, you kind of lingered on it and, enjoy, and chose to kind of enjoy it. Um, and then it's outside of God's will. Um, it's not just any sexual desire, you know, since there are sexual desires that are within God's will, it's sexual desires that are outside of God's will. And the sexual desires that are in God's will are really meant to be in the, in the context of, of marriage. Um, so let's look at kind of the statement again. So, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, so Jesus is saying that if we, if we willfully indulge in, in, in sexual looks and thoughts about another person, we've committed adultery with them in our heart. So, so what, is, what is adultery with them in our heart? What does that mean? So, so what's adultery? So adultery is, you know, having sex with someone who isn't your spouse, isn't your husband or wife. And, you know, in other parts of scripture, sex is described as, as two becoming one. Um, and, and Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians. He says, you know, do you not know that, that one who unites himself with a prostitute, you know, has sex with, with a prostitute, is one with her in body? For it is said that the two will become one flesh. So, so basically, if you if you unite yourself, you have sex with someone, there's something that, that happens at, at a deeper level. Um, it's not just um, a, you know, a temporary physical pleasure. There's, there's, it's emotional. Uh, it's spiritual. It's, it's somewhat permanent. There's a permanence to it. And I think, I think most of us, you know, if, if we're honest, if we've kind of experienced lust and, and, and sex, um, you know, we know that that it's more than just something physical um, that we do, um, and it's it's not like something that's just no different than you know going and exercising or um, just you know daydreaming about your future career. There's something that that's more permanent. It's it's deep. It's it's heart related. Um, so I mean, now some of you might be asking the question. Well, you know, maybe that's true, but um, you know, what does what does lust have to do with with everyday life and um, well, I, you know, I, I don't know about you specifically, but I, I do know about my own story and, and my own past, and I know about 
a lot of my, my friends, almost all of them, and uh, I know just some statistics about us collectively, and uh, I, th I think it has a lot more to do with our everyday lives than we really wish it did or, or would care to admit. Um, so I, I want to I just share some, some pretty powerful uh, statistics with you. Um, this is from a study that was done by a group called the Barna Group, and they, they interviewed uh, over 3,000 people across the U.S., uh, different ages, different places, and here's, here's kind of some of the, the stats that they came up with. Um, and this, this is about one of the kind of the more, more obvious or the, the more um, kind of measurable manifestations of, of lust, um, pornography. So st some, here are the statistics. So almost three quarters of young adults, 71%, come across what they consider to be pornography at least once a month, whether they are seeking it or not. Basically, you know, three out of four young adults, young adults under 25, happen across something that they consider to be, you know, sexually explicit material at least once a month, whether, you know, they're looking for it or not. The next one, more than half of women under 25 years old ever seek it out, 56%, and one-third, one out of three, seek it out at least monthly. It means that, you know, more than half of, of all girls under the age of 25 have at some point intentionally gone looking for uh, pornography, and one out of three do it at least every month. Men, it's, it's, it's a lot worse. Uh, it's 81% uh, have ever sought it out, and, and two out of three, at least monthly. And I thought, I thought this one was, uh, this next one was pretty, um, just kind of uh, indicative of, of the culture that we live in. 32% uh, of young adults say that viewing pornography is usually or always wrong, compared to 56% who say not recycling is usually or always wrong. So more people think it's wrong to not recycle than to watch pornography. And then, uh, you know, kind of we could look at this and say, oh, you know, well, maybe that's just, you know, outside of the Christian sphere. But from my own story and just from knowing a lot of, a lot of Christians, I, I, that's really not the case. And I think this stat kind of shows that as well. So, you know, more than half of pastors and youth pastors, these are kind of the people that are, are leading, right, the Christian circles admit they've struggled with porn either currently or in the past. So, so this, is, this is a really prevalent issue. And, uh, and this, this here, this is pornography. This is kind of even at the next level this, you know, of, of what Jesus is talking about, where Jesus is saying, you know, if you, if you um, look lustfully at a woman, you've already committed adultery with her in her heart. So, but pornography is, is even, it's, it, it's lustful thoughts combined with lustful action. So it's kind of like even, even farther down the road. So, you know, if, if these are the statistics on, on pornography, you know, the, the statistics on, on people who deal with lustful thoughts on a regular basis are, are you know, clearly much higher. Um, so let me, let me share a little bit about uh, my story. So, you know, my, my story um, with lust really, you know, kind of started to become part of my life probably around late elementary school and started with just a curiosity about you know sexual things that I would see on, on TV or in the movies, and I, I don't remember the first time you know I, you know first saw something, like sexually explicit, um, and I I think at first I really didn't you know want to see it, but being curious and over time eventually you know I let myself kind of you know look and linger willfully on it, um, and then I would basically over time you know I would continue to go to that pattern of lust whenever 
you know, I happen to come across something. And it, Lust kind of has this snowball effect where it keeps rolling and growing and getting bigger. And so, you know, the more I began to actively um, look for it, um, the more I would find it. And then, you know, it kind of went from being something that was like out there and like just people on movies and TV and people I didn't know to, you know, thinking that way about, you know, girls in my classes and, and people that I knew. And, you know, in middle school, um, you know, eventually it kind of snowballed into, you know, looking for, uh, you know, pornography. And then, you know, in high school, it, you know, eventually was at a point where it was, you know, really using pornography on a, on a regular basis. Um, so, again, you, you just get to sit in there and listen. I got to talk about this. Uh, so, so um, you know, I mean, th this is an issue. Uh, I think I think for most of us, you know, at least on the less level, clearly from the statistics, still a lot of us with uh, the pornography level, and um, so so. But but what really happens um, when we lust? What are what are the practical impl implications of committing adultery in your hearts? Um, so to kind of you know explain this and, and illustrate the point a little further uh, of what happens when when we lust, um, I'd like to. Um, kind of use a, an illustration, kind of something from my everyday life. So like I mentioned, we, we recently moved. And uh, you can see this, our house. Um, and one of the first things we set up when we moved into the new house was our, was our tea station. Because um, you know, you're college students, you understand the importance of caffeine, right? So when you have a kid, you'll understand it even more. It's, it has a new purpose. It's called maintaining sanity. So you need that. Um, so, so we have our our hot, hot water heater out there on the counter, it's that silver thing, and all the tea and, and, and the, the coffee, the tea mugs sit kind of up on the top shelf there. And uh, there's a lot in there. We have 29. There's two of us. <laughs> it's like 15 each. That's ridiculous. Um, but that's what happens when you get married. You get a bunch of stuff. So, so how does this relate to less? Good question. Sammy told me this wasn't a good analogy, so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's better for you. All right, so my illustration up here requires a little bit of abstract thinking. Um, so, all right, so picture yourselves as one of the tea mugs sitting on the shelf. All right, got it? Not that abstract, but a little bit. So, so, so you're a tea mug, right? You're made for a purpose. You know, your purpose is for the tea drinker to come grab you off the shelf, and fill you up with tea, the tea that they, they wanted to make. So it, it's good, you know, it's kind of the way it was meant to happen. You know, tea drinker comes, grabs you, fills you up with tea, it's great. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a similar way with, with, with sexuality, right? We were, we were kind of made for a purpose, and that purpose is to, you know, express sexuality within God's will, which is, you know, within the context of marriage, and, and it's good, it's, it's the way it was meant to happen. So now, so imagining that, that you're the tea mug, um, you know, instead of waiting for the, the tea drinker to come and, and, and get you and, and fill you up, um, you decide that, you know, you're not going to wait. Um, you're going to go and just fill yourself up with tea. So you, you, you know, decide to try to indulge in some tea outside of the tea drinker's will, which is kind of outside of the tea drinker's, you know, hand and bringing you down to the, to the counter. And so you kind of go to the edge, and let's see if this works. So... Imagine that those completely shattered, like that. 
So. So, so you'll remember that. So, so, so lust, lust shatters. Um, that's what lust does. It really, it really shatters us. And um, so, kind of, how, how, did, how does that that play out? So, so in my story, um, how did lust shatter me? Um, so at first. Um, you know, it really, it really shattered my, my sense of, of innocence. Uh, felt, felt dirty, felt like I wasn't good anymore. Um, it, it shattered really my, my right standing uh, before God. I was, I was afraid to, to go back to him and, and, and to be with him because I knew of, you know, what was going on inside my heart and, you know, in, in, in the secrecy. And uh, it really also, one thing it shattered was kind of, kind of my, my relationship of, of being open with my parents and kind of that closeness. It was really the, the first and uh, really a long-standing secret uh, that I kept from them, and it kind of, in that sense, kind of shattered part of our relationship. Um, and then, and then over time, it, it started to kind of shatter, you know, my moral boundaries. Again, it, it it started with just you know, some seeing something and lingering on the thought, but then it it, it evolved into you know watching uh, pornography, and then over time, uh, you know, really uh, eroded my my sense of. Of a woman's worth, and you know, because I was training myself to just just view women as as an object, um, and and there was there was really a period of, of my life during uh, middle school and high school where um, you know I would I would think about and, and and fantasize about you know any any woman that I saw that was you know somewhat attractive, and you know that's that's hundreds and hundreds of women uh, you know reduced to nothing more than you know an object for that would make me feel good, and uh, you know. In the future, what did it shatter? You know, when I was in elementary and middle school, what did it shatter in the future? So it, it, it shattered my kind of my ability to let people in, um, especially my close friends, because I I didn't want them to kind of see who I was fully. Um, I call this kind of you know this intimacy. It can be in, intimacy with friends, intimacy with a significant other, but intimacy is really like into me. You see, it's like you're seeing more of me, and 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 when you lust, you really impact your ability to be intimate because you, you don't want people to see that. Um, and, and this is really true, especially in, in, in romantic relationships, especially um, because in, in, in short-term romance, it's, it's fueled by an interest and excitement. It's like, oh, this is a new person. They're, they're interesting. This is exciting. I'm very interested in them. We have a lot of common interests. Um, you know, I see maybe a potential for a future. But, but long-term romance is really fueled by intimacy, you know, intimacy you see, and exclusivity. And, and, and lust really shatters that, that sort of long-term um, romance there. You know, it, it shatters the intimacy again because we, we don't want that person to see into us, especially the person that, um, you know, we're romantically interested in because they'll, you know, see the lust that we have and see how that's, you know, not for, you know, for other people too. And, you know, same way it shatters exclusivity because, because now we, we can't say to, you know, in the long run to our spouse, you know, you're the only person that I've, that I've thought about in this way. Um, and, you know, that's shattered. That's gone. And, you know, like I said, lust, lust snowballs. And, and, you know, eventually, you know, if it's, if it's left unbridled, lust can, you know, lust can lead to, you know, actually committing adultery and, and, and going and having sex with someone that's, that's not your spouse. Um, and that and that really shatters marriages. It, it shatters families. It shatters careers. Um, we see this in the news 
pretty often these days about people's careers being shattered by lust. Um, and, and this was a case for um, a guy named uh, Gordon McDonald. He's probably in his 60s or 70s now. He, he spoke at spring break a couple years ago. And when he was probably in his 30s or 40s, he was a very successful um, pastor and writer. And he was actually the, the head of all of InterVarsity uh, across the country. And, but, but his lust, it, it led him into an affair. And, and when that became public, it really shattered his relationship with his wife. It shattered his uh, career and his relationship with his church. And it shattered um, you know, his ability to lead InterVarsity. And um, yeah, it really, it really shattered him in that way. So, so lust, lust shatters, and like the, like the mug, the one one that broke, it's just sitting there on the floor. It's just, it's just left there. Um, but, but fortunately for us, that, that's not where God leaves us, and, and that's amazing. Um, and fortunately for us, too, God can put back together what lust shatters, and only he can do that. And, and this, this really is the picture of the gospel, um, that we're broken and shattered by sin, Yet God loves us and made a way for us to get put back together through Jesus' sacrifice and, and, and through Jesus himself really being shattered on the cross for us. You know, and it, it, it's all by grace, you know. Grace is a gift. Um, we, we don't deserve it, and, and we, can't, we can't earn it. We can just accept it and, and then walk in it. Um, so so Paul, Paul writes about this in, in, in Romans. He says, you know, but God showed his own love for us in this, that, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while that we were still shattered, Christ, Christ came and he died so that we could begin to be put back together. That we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God put forward as a replacement to pay for our sin by his blood to be received by faith. So there's that redemption that comes from, from accepting that gift of grace. He writes again, so... For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. So he's brought us out of that place of lust and that place of sin and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom, again, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin, that idea of, of being brought back together. And therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So we get to be made new again, even though we've been shattered. Um, and, and God really forgives us, and he, he makes us right with him through our faith and our trust in him. Um, but, but trust is more than just a thought. Um, you only know you really trust something when you begin to act in accordance with it. So if my mechanic tells me that, if I go to my mechanic and he's looking at my car and he tells me, hey, your brakes are probably going to break the next time you get in your car. But, you know, and he's like, you know, I should fix them right now. And I'm like, okay, you know, I believe you. I believe that my brakes are broken, but I get in my car and I drive away. Did I really trust my mechanic? Probably not, right? So trusting Jesus in the same way implies that we start to act according to what he says and not continuing to act just according to whatever we want to do, not continuing to be like the tea mugs that just continue to try to fill ourselves up. So, so what else does Jesus say when it comes to lust? Um, what, are, what are we actually supposed to trust him with? What are we actually supposed to begin to work on? So in Matthew 5, he, he continues, and, you know, he's just said, you know, but I tell you that anyone that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. That's aggressive. 
If it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So Jesus is saying, take this seriously. You know, boldly cut out from your life anything that's causing you uh, to lust. Um, so so why, why, is, why is Jesus so you know, aggressive and kind of dramatic about this? I think, I think it's because he really knows what lust does to us and what it does to, to our hearts. Um, so, so let me, let me kind of translate. So he says, you know, if it's your eye, get rid of it. If it's your hand, get rid of it. Um, today, you know, if it's your computer, get rid of it. If it's your phone, get rid of it. You know, you know if it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Netflix, Hulu, Reddit, et cetera, et cetera, get rid of it. Um, Jesus is saying, get rid of the things that, that cause you to lust, or, or in other words, in kind of a more memorable way. You know, be shattering lust, or lust will be shattering you. So this is really being diligent to remove those things from your life that, that cause you to lust. Um, and it's almost, it's almost radical, being radical about working on that um, through God's strength. Um, so another, another kind of necessity that um, the apostles write about later, and James and John write about, is, is really bringing others into this through confession. So, so James, James writes, you know, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So, so when, we, when we confess to one another and we, and we pray for each other, that's really a way, a way forward in healing. Um, you know, and then you, in John he writes, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive, forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So, so healing comes from confessing and, re- and repenting and, and, and turning away from what we've been doing. Um, and to kind of go back to um, Gordon McDonald's story, so, so when he was kind of, you know, that, that affair came out and it, it really shattered his relationship with his, his wife and his family and his, his career, um, you know, he, he, he turned to, to God's grace again, knowing that, you know, even though that he had really messed up and really shattered those things that, that God, in His in His grace, can bring that redemption and, and, and make him new again. And then he, you know, went to confession and he 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 told his wife what he had done and he told his church and he confessed to them. And 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 he really, him with his wife, really radically um, decided to work on this. And they actually, um, for two years, they put everything on hold. They moved away and and they just worked on healing from this. So for two years, that's what they did. They radically changed their life to work on this. Um, and, and over time, they, they, they really did heal from that. And they came back together, and, and they continued to be married. They continued to raise their kids and have grandkids. And um, Gordon, you know, got back into really, you know, now that he'd been through that and kind of gone through that healing process, he was able to, to help other people who had been going through that, and he was actually one of the people who um, kind of counseled Bill Clinton when he was kind of going through that, um, kind of at the you know highest level of uh, everybody knowing what's going on in your life um, and really being shattered in that way. So, so God really can um, put back together what less shatters, and I think I think in those verses and, and, and what Jesus talks about, we we kind of see you know how to how to start that healing process. Um, and, and, and the first part is really, really it is just to accept God's grace and accept what he's done for you and, and, and how he's 
you know, been shattered on the cross for you so that you can begin to be made right with God again and get put back together through redemption. And then it's, you know, confessing and it's actually, you know, telling this to people and getting it out in the light so that it, it can begin to, you know, people can keep you accountable and begin to, um, you know, pray for you and help you um, heal from that. Um, and then three, what, what Jesus talked about, you know, get serious about, about working on it, you know, with God's help. Um, so so in, in my story, um, kind of at the, at the end of high school, um, I was, you know, really uh, having, having problems with this, and it was really um, shattering me in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, I, I realized that, you know, I really needed to, the first thing for me was really to accept uh, God's grace for what he'd done for me. And there's a verse in, um, in Psalms that he talks about how God has removed our sin as, as far as the east is from the west. And, and just that picture, that was kind of the first time that I realized that God really could kind of remove this thing from me and, and begin to make me new. And I, I could accept his grace in that. And I knew that I, I really had to, to tell someone. And it took me a long time to kind of work up the courage to do that. Um, the first one I told was, was, was my best friend. Uh, his name was Kevin. And I was, I think, senior year of high school. Um, and then eventually I, I, I told my youth pastor, this guy that was kind of trying to help me out. And, and we, began to, we began to work on it. Um, they would, you know, ask me how I was doing with it. And they would keep me accountable. And I uh, started to, you know, kind of filter my, my phone and, and my computer so that I, you know, couldn't get to it. And it would, you know, kind of tell people if I did. And, uh, you know, so that was kind of like senior year of high school. And honestly, that, that process took me probably about three years to kind of work my way through and, um, you know, continue, kind of like break free from, from pornography and for my, my heart to begin to heal and for, you know, kind of lustful thoughts to be um, kind of brought under control, brought into, into the kingdom, into God's rule and reign. And um, kind of little did I know that, um, you know, also at the same time, in a, in a different way, a different story, um, my, my wife, um, well, she was my wife at the time, but Sammy, she was, you know, kind of going through a, a similar process of her own of, of healing from, from, from some, some lust and some sexual sin in, in her life. And, and what happened was that as God was kind of bringing us back together individually, you know, through, through that process of, of accepting God's grace and confessing and repenting and, and getting serious about it, and he was doing that individually. And then, you know, at the right time when we had actually begun to be made, put back together again, he, he brought us together. And, you know, we met, and there was interest and excitement right at the beginning, and so we started dating. And then over time, you know, we were like, yeah, we, we like, I like, you know, seeing into you more and seeing more about you, that intimacy. And we're like, yeah, we want to be exclusive. So we got married. And um, I, I think, you know, there were, there were points in, uh, you know, in high school where I was, I was really struggling with pornography. And, um, you know, I, I, I tried, to, tried to break through, kept going back to it, and... You know, I would think to myself, you know, God, can you can you really, you know, redeem me? Can you really um, change me? Can can I ever really, um, you know, get married and, and experience the things that, that that you want for me? Since I've really messed this up, and just to um, kind of stand on the other side of that now and have gone through that process and be able to get married and, and, and be put back together and, and kind of enjoy, um, you know sexuality and the way that God intended it, um, it's, it's really, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm very blown away by God's grace in that way. And, 
to now to even further to see, um, you know, God bless us with, with a beautiful little girl. And uh, we named her uh, Hannah because Hannah, it means uh, the grace of God. And um, because she's really the picture of God's grace in our life, of, of bringing us out of, you know, our own, you know, sexual issues and sexual sin and, and bringing us back together and then putting us back together in the way that he intended, which is, which is just totally grace. You know, there's nothing we did to deserve that. There's nothing we did to earn it. Um, that's, that's kind of uh, my story. So I, I hope it's, I don't know where you are. You know, if you're, if you're still on the shelf, you're very fortunate because you're, you're one of the few. Um, so be grateful and also be alert and, and, and look out because, you know, I hope this kind of serves us as a warning for what lust does um, if you indulge in it. And then, you know, maybe you're, you're shattered and right now with, with lust. Um, and I, I would just say, you know, begin to take steps on, on that healing process. Um, and, and, and I think, I think one of the, the, the first ones is, is, is really um, first, you know, accepting what God has done and really con- confessing. Find someone that you can, you can talk to about it. That, that really brings it in the light, and, and you can start to work on it. If you never do that, you, you really can't make progress. Um, so, or maybe, you know, you've been shattered, and, and you're beginning to be brought back together. Um, so I would just say, you know, continue to kind of uh, be radical uh, about that. Be um, serious about it. Take it seriously. Um, and continue, you know, to be shattering lust in your life. Um, or, you know, or lust will really shatter you again. Um, so in, in closing tonight, um, I know this was kind of a, probably a, a deeper topic than you might have been anticipating. So I'd, I'd like to kind of give everybody a little bit of time to, to reflect, and we're just going to play um, a video, um, just a music video that I think is just kind of some powerful imagery of what we've been talking about. Um, so, so let me pray, and then we'll, then we'll do that. Father, thanks um, just for your grace and, and your love and, and your forgiveness and, and that you really can um, put us back together again. Um, it's so amazing to um, experience your grace and, and see what you can do when we um, really live in your kingdom. Um, just pray that tonight, um, yeah, I'm sure some people are thinking deeply uh, about this and about it in their own life. I pray that you would... Um, really comfort them and and really show them uh, your love and your grace and and help them to begin the healing process. Uh, Pray this all in Jesus' name. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
thank you for your message uh, from Chris today, and um, we pray that you can help us to apply it to our lives and uh, to our relationships, and uh, we're thankful that you put us back together when we sin and make us new, and uh, it's in your name we pray.